Hey, what's up, y'all? It's Will here with ScheduleFly. And uh, after a week off of uh, doing interviews and just kind of letting everybody catch their breath, today's Monday the 13th, and we're back. And couldn't be more stoked than to be back with uh, one of my favorite people all time in 12 years of doing this, Brett Oliveria from Sup Dogs. He's, he's uh, been on the podcast. He's been in the book. He's, we, uh, we're fortunate to um, film uh, his story and... Uh, and Brett actually had something really exciting happen with his place recently, and we'll we'll get into that. But Brett, thanks for taking the time, man. No problem, and, and thank you guys. I mean, you know, sort of when I think about uh, all the Corona stuff and and how it puts uh, restaurant owners the, the position that we're in, I'm thankful for ScheduleFly that I'm able to communicate to all of our staff members in one click. Um, you know, we have between two locations, 120 some employees. So being able to, uh, you know, things are changing every day. Employees want to know uh, everything that's going on, even though I don't have the answers. But I'm I'm out there searching, trying to find them. But to be able to keep everyone updated, uh, on the same page, motivated, it's nice to have ScheduleFly as a tool to be able to do that pretty quickly. Dude, I appreciate that. That's nice. Well, you know, we're. I've never never thought about schedule fly being this critical tool that, that helps people stay dialed in during a pandemic, <laughs> you know, like yeah, would have never is. thought that, but it, it, we're starting to hear so many of those stories where people are just, I mean, even from a mental health perspective, I think get, having a place where you can stay engaged with your employer, your, you know, your teammates and, because we're so isolated right now, so I, I appreciate that, man. We're hearing a lot of that, and we're we're thankful for that. We're thankful for that opportunity. That that makes us very, um, we're humble and and uh, happy about that, and glad that it's working out that way. Um, I was talking about you got 120 staff. What's, I mean, what is the status with your staff? Did you have to lay off most or all of of your team? And what's everybody? Yeah, I, yeah, I mean, I didn't. You know, we sort of closed before anyone uh, locally here in Greenville. I just, um, you know, I just thought it was the right thing to do. To do yeah. so, we 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 closed both restaurants. Um, the Sunday night before St. Patrick's Day was at the fifteenth. So, um, you know, we closed maybe a day or so before everyone, and uh, and then I, you know, I made the decision to pay everyone for two weeks. So, just because. You know, I want to be able to sleep at night. I mean, so it's not that I'm like some crazy generous guy, um, but a lot of it's selfishly. So I, I don't have the guilt um, of having all these employees that have uh, worked with us so hard and so long for years and years and helped us grow and to the success that we are now. And all of a sudden, all of a sudden, you know, there's tough times and mm we say, see you later. Um, yeah. So I made the decision to pay them in full for two weeks and I didn't really know how to do that. I kind of wrote personal checks to everyone. Um, and, you know, I took the average of their, what they were making per hour, their salary or their tips dating back to January 1st. Cause you know, especially in two college towns, staff turns over, things change. So I thought that was the most fair. And I just wrote out a lot of money in checks and, you know, figured I would reevaluate. Um, and we're kind of in the position, you know, our staff's supposed to get paid 
this coming up Thursday, uh, and I'm, I'm reevaluating. And it, obviously, you can't just keep writing monster checks to go broke. Um, so I'm trying to figure out what's what's best to do, um, and that's constant calls with our accountant, our bankers, um, you know, watching anything and everything relating to legislation, and then just making the right decision. So um, I'll probably once again be in a spot where I, you know, want to make sure the people that have been with us a long time and have put a lot of uh, effort into our business, make sure they can still pay their bills. So um, that's kind of where we are right now. How about how's unemployment working out for the folks that you've, uh, they, they were able to file that? right away and yeah i mean obviously there was delays and, and you know most of our staff i mean almost none of our staff had ever done it so they didn't know what to do yeah um so first thing you know especially when you employ a lot of young people um people just they just don't do it so i just it was constant schedule fine messages hey you have to file for unemployment hey go fi- make sure you're fill out your unemployment applications let me know if you have any questions just con- constantly beating that over their head like get your unemployment because there will come a time where like, you know, I can't just pay everyone forever. So, um, I think a lot of them did it. I think some of them didn't. The unemployment's kind of weird because I think they're getting anywhere from 200 to 300 bucks a week, which isn't bad, but can you live off that? No. no. Um, and then I guess it's supposed to be, you know, they're going to, people are supposed to get significantly more money per week. Um, based on new legislation, but I don't think that's taken effect. I mean, all of these new, uh, all of the new stimulus stuff and uh, unemployment benefits, and I mean, it's all coming from the the right place, but the execution of it's just, it's just impossible to do. I don't think hmm. the banks, the federal government, uh, local government, nobody has the staff or uh, the manpower, the processes to make sure it goes smoothly. So unemployment's not smooth at all. Um, the PPP program is a total disaster. Um, what, what, tell me about that. Have you've applied for that? Yeah. I mean, yeah. So, you know, we, we, Wells Fargo has been awesome to us. So they've done a bunch of loans for us. We do all of our banking with Wells Fargo, have a great relationship with the local banker. So a hundred percent of our banking was with Wells Fargo and they can't they keep up like, with the volume. Can they? What's that? They can't keep up with the volume. Can they don't, I mean, it, the big banks, are they able to do that? Big, big banks can't keep up with the volume. So, you know, our bankers like, look, we're going to put out a link um, and you can, you know, submit a preliminary application and then we'll get back to you to file the paperwork. So I was refreshing the screen, waiting for that link to pop up for, you know, a week and a half. And it finally popped up. I got in. Whew. It was only the, the, the link to start the preliminary application was only up for a couple hours. And even though I got in, I still got an email that said, look, we can, we have no ability to process. You need to go look for other options. Good so thing. I started calling all banks around town, you know, because over the years I've had a ton of bankers, like, you know, trying to get our business. They're always in for lunch. Hey, wanting a shot. So I called all these other bankers. They're all in the same position. So um, I'm in the process now of, of working with a really small bank out of Oklahoma, um, who I think is going to be processing the PPP for us. Um, Wells Fargo has no ability to do it. Everyone's screwed, at least right now. Holy cow. They even sent me another email. I, you know, our banker was like, look, give me a few days so we can 
you know, get our uh, bucks in a row. And a few days later, I got another email. Hey, even though you submitted your preliminary application, we still have no ability to do this. Go look for it somewhere else. Good grief. So, uh, yeah. Have you spoken so, to anybody at, uh, well, you got somebody in Oklahoma. So how'd you find a small bank in Oklahoma? Twitter. God, <laughs> you know, God there, was, uh, there was a, a guy who was, uh, who was tweeting a lot about the PPP legislation. Um, just, you know, some big time investor guy. And, uh, and then, a, and I saw a guy respond says, Hey, I'm the CFO of a small bank in Oklahoma um, we're processing, you know, they're hoping that they process for us. You know, we move a bunch of a big chunk of our money over there. Cause nowadays it doesn't really matter what state you're in, but, uh, but yeah, the big banks just have no ability to, to process any of this. And the frustrating part for business owners, and I'm not political. I, yeah, yeah. I'm not right. I'm not left. I have, I have zero political affiliation. My energy is just all in operating our business. So the tough part is for employees they see everyone on TV saying the PPP is going to rescue small business. We're here for small business. We're going to keep employees paid. Everything's been wonderful. It's, you know, your employers are going to keep you paid. So they're expecting, yeah, they're expecting that because that's what they're told on television. But the reality is for every business owner I've talked to, every restaurant owner I've talked to, it's a total chaotic nightmare. And that being said, of course it is because, this has never happened in the history of the world. You can't snap your fingers and uh, rescue every small restaurant and across the country. So, um, you know, I think the messaging has been rough on business owners and then the execution of getting any PPP dollars has been nearly impossible. Wow. Yeah. That's what I wanted to want to focus on this week is because I, I knew everybody had kind of gone through that process. I knew it was a joke and or not a joke. I, I knew it was just a, very frustrating. And um, so last week I was like, you know, just wait and see what everybody says. And I spoke to, uh, I sent out some texts this morning to a couple of other owners too. And I, I mean, the general uh, feedback has been very similar to what you've indicated. I, I think that Wells is, Wells in particular is having some issues with this. I think there's a lot of, uh, there's certain criteria. And if you haven't, yeah, I don't know. But, um, you would think the small banks would be more nimble. We applied. I mean, we through uh, North State Bank, um, uh-huh. which is our bank, but they're small. They're out of Raleigh. They don't, you know, small bank. But I think it was Tyler did that. I don't think it was a. I think it was a fairly simple process, but I but I'm not positive. I don't want to say that for sure. Yeah, I mean, just from talking to a lot of, uh, you know, smaller and bigger banks, I think the, the bigger banks don't have the capability to handle the volume. And then the smaller banks don't really have the money to lend right now. So they're taking care of their few customers they have. Oh, liquidity. Um, Yeah. Okay. I think ultimately they're going to be reimbursed by the government, but right now they just don't have, they can't take care of this. You know, they can take care of their small circle of, uh, you know, customers and the big banks just, the big banks don't care. And it's, they're just like, look, you know, the vibe from, I spoke to two big banks, they're kind of like, look, we have no ability to handle this volume, and we have no incentive to actually do it. Um, yeah, it's all about so numbers a, for the big banks, and it's just an algorithm, and it's a, yeah, they're not, there's no relationship piece factor, none of that at this point, not for them. 
but even the relationship I have, I have an awesome relationship with our banker at Wells Fargo. I mean, he lives like two doors down from me, but he's like, dude, you know, this is way above my head. You know what I mean? This isn't like yeah. getting you a line of credit. Um, so that part is incredibly frustrating and nerve wracking. Um, you know, people ask me all the time, how's, how's sub dogs going to be okay? How are you doing? My thoughts are, zero percent of my thoughts are with myself and our business i know i'm going to be fine i know our business is going to be fine all my thoughts are with our employees yeah so i'm worried i i I worry for them because i hate the fact that they're living with this anxiety of yep am i able to pay my bills can i feed my children can i pay my rent yep uh can i buy groceries so when people ask me so how's sometimes gonna be okay how's i'm like we're gonna be great i'm gonna be great but like the stress of, you know, thinking about other people that are in a tougher position that, you know, I've worked with and grinded with inside the restaurant for years and years and years is that's the hard part. Yeah. And with also with feeling like there's only, you know, there's only so much you can do. Um, we're relying on this big, massive federal process and, um, yeah, man. Well, what do you think? Do you, are y'all doing anything? Are you doing takeout or anything right now? Yeah, we, we started takeout. Um, we, we sort of closed for two weeks just to figure out all this mess out and let figure out where all of this is going and what you know laws and regulations are going to be imposed. So we started takeout uh, about a week ago. And look, takeout is pennies. Yeah. Um, what, what do you, no, when you say just, pennies, like literally, what is it? What is it as a per, you don't have to tell me the dollars, but like as a percentage of what you would do, is it? Yeah, like in Chapel Hill, it's one tenth of what we would normally do. Okay, so it's ten percent of your normal. Okay, which is yeah, yeah. Greenville is probably a fifth. So okay. I mean, we're 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 you know busier at our Greenville location doing takeout. But even that being said, you're busier, but you have more people working, more headaches. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I think we'll probably end up losing money doing takeout in Chapel Hill, making a few bucks a month, a couple hundred bucks a week in Greenville. Um, but for me, it's not about the money. It's, you know, I just don't want to lose the connection to the community. I think people people forget quickly about anything and everything. Um, and I think they'll forget about any restaurant or any bar, or any hotel so I think keeping that connection with the community is important. And that's the only reason I'm doing it. I don't think it's one, the safest, um, you know, because you look at a kitchen, you can't social distance and cook food at the same time. It's impossible. Um, yeah. But I think it's important for our business going forward. You know, my job is to make sure our business stays successful. So I think part of that is, um, allowing people to get takeout, um, and keeping that connection with the community. Well, I think that's a very wise way to approach it, Brett. And I think you are, um, don't you particularly y'all of, of, of anywhere. Um, but I, you know, the loyalty that you have created with your, your customer base is just off the charts. Um, so I don't, I don't think anybody's going to forget about sup dogs at all. Um, although I, I think it's, you know, you should you should never take that for granted. Of course, which you would never do, and that's why you're doing that. You know, it's interesting. You and Dave Query are two people over the years have said to me, um, 
I have to think, you know, that this could all go away tomorrow. Mm-hmm. And boy, it sure did, didn't it? And when it all goes away tomorrow, it's like, you know, I think the restaurant business, this needs to be an eye opener for everyone. Like, yeah, we all have to save money. Yep. Like there's almost no restaurants that are saving money. Right. Um, you know, cause what happens is the money stops coming in cause you know, obviously what happened and you still have a ton of bills to pay that are due the following week or the following month and you just get swallowed it up. So yep. um, I think coming out of this, I think the major lesson needs to be um, saving every cent possible and driving a car that's not as nice as you would want to drive or living in a house that's not as nice as you want to live in, but doing fighting, uh, fighting to, to save a few bucks for a rainy day is just never been more important in our industry. What do you think is, I, I agree with that. And, um, you, you're one of the few exceptions that has, what do you think is a good rule of thumb or maybe what, what rule of thumb did you use prior to this in terms of how much do you need set aside? Is it, is it three months of, you know, six months? What, what would you think? Or what had you been doing? What would you do differently? I'm, uh, you know, I wouldn't be comfortable unless we had a year of, uh, ability to function. Um, and I never thought of, let's save X amount of dollars. My, my thought was for the last eight and a half years to, uh, pay myself as little as possible and grow this business. Mm-hmm. And the only way to, for me to grow a business is to to save money and be able to pay people, buy equipment, open up new locations. So just reinvest every cent back into your business. So, um, you know, it wasn't that long ago that my wife and I were living in a small apartment, um, saving as much money as we could possibly save to be able to give us a cushion and grow our business. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, let's talk about something that happened just recently that is a good positive thing. We can end on that, but, mm-hmm. uh, for the second year in a row, Sup Dogs won the Barstool Sports Best College Bar in America. Um, so congrats. And I just follow that. I, y'all, I mean, Barstool Sports said that y'all were like Jordan of the 90s, you know, (laughs) like that's huge. That's amazing. But so just tell, just tell us about it. Tell us about, you know, I mean, an interesting time for that to happen and kind of what was going through your mind and how y'all were able to keep people engaged and get, you know, continue the support that you had to kind of just run through that tournament. Yeah. I mean, so every year Barstool Sports does a best college bar in America in, like sort of NCAA tournament style um, competition, and you know your, your people vote for you. So you you know we're up against every uh, famous bar, and I think um, we're up against every famous college bar. I mean, everyone who's been to school knows like the, the bar at their university. So we're up against all of those bars and restaurants. Then we ended up winning the whole thing. Um, we're up against a bar at Maryland in the Final Four, and then. In, uh, in the championship, we we beat a bar at Kansas, and the cool thing is, like, 
like at Kansas, every former NBA basketball player, all the current players, the basketball coach, Bill Sell, football coach, Les Miles, the school sort of rallies behind their bar to, to push for votes. So we were able to win, and uh, you know, just relating it to business, um, you know, I just think, especially right now, brand is going to win out. Um, so when when you're mm. when restaurants are forgotten about and everyone's eating food they cook from the grocery stores, when things open back up, I think the brands, the, the companies that have developed a brand, are going to end up winning out. So I think it's just incredibly important to just be all in on your brand because. I don't even consider my, I mean, we're a restaurant. We sell 70 to 80% food, 60 to 80% food, depending on time of year. But I don't even consider myself like a, I don't know anything about food, I, but um, I'm just all in on our, on our brand and, um, yeah. yeah. And, uh, and just being able to make connections with people and, um, so, I mean, this is, you know, really helps with our branding and, uh, you know, it's back-to-back national champions, Barstool Sports, uh, best college bar in America for two years in a row. So I think that's just going to help with branding when, when things reopen um, because everyone has good food. Like, I can't remember the last time I went to a restaurant where I'm like, this food was terrible. Right. Food's good everywhere. And generally, service is pretty good everywhere. Um, so it's brands that sort of went out, um, yeah. in my opinion. And, you know, winning this competition is obviously huge for us. So it just kind of sucks that it, it happened when it happened because uh, we weren't even open. So it sort of killed a lot of the, the buzz for it. But Barstool is going to come down in the fall. We're going to throw this huge championship celebration. So it's going to be cool for ECU students and, and the Greenville community. Who was the – I mean, you had some really interesting people that were – on social media talking about, you know, supporting y'all. And one of the, am I correct? Did the dude who's, I've only watched like two episodes of this Tiger King show, but is the, <laughs> is the guy that, or one of the, I don't know, whatever, one of the husbands of the, of uh, Joe exotic. Was he, was he, yeah. am I, do I remember that? Or am I just making that up? Yeah, no, you're right. So, you know, I'm like, how can we get the most attention possible to get votes for people to win this competition? So everyone was talking about the Tiger King and they kind of still are. So I just, sent the guy a direct message on Twitter and I'm like, Hey man, if I pay you 200 bucks, can you like, <laughs> you know, record something to say to vote for sub dogs? <laughs> so he recorded it and I posted it everywhere and everyone was talking about it. So, you know, it sort of just uh, added, to the fun of, added to the fun of the competition, but we had everyone from Mr. Beast, who's a famous uh, YouTube star that comes into our restaurant all the time. Yeah. Uh, you know, he was pushing us. We had a couple different adult film stars pushing for us. Um, Joe Exotics, former husband. So it was a nice collection of uh, of personalities that were, were pushing stuff. Up. And obviously, the community, you know, the ECU football coach. You know, you know, we're just. I mean, we're incredibly fortunate. A lot like um, you know Scott, who you've had on from, from top of the hill. You know, we're just incredibly fortunate that people always come through the door. Mm-hmm. Um, and are always supportive of us and spread the word about us. So, um, yeah, we're just thankful that we're in a position to even be able to win that competition. All right, man, you got it. You got you got a three peat for Jordan in the nineties. You got a three peat. Oh, then uh, Look, one one thing I would say, you know, one thing I wanted to mention as far as restaurants, what would help, at least us, I think it would help a lot of restaurants. 
all the other states, Virginia, uh, Delaware, California, Maryland, South Carolina, they allow all of their restaurants to serve a cocktail with a meal for takeout. Yeah. They've temporarily, they've, they've temporarily adjusted the laws. Yeah. To throw restaurants a lifeline to be able to make some alcohol money. money yeah. Not only would that help restaurants monetarily, but also how many more people, if every restaurant staffed a bartender, it's tens of thousands of jobs across the state during this time. Amen. So to me, it's absurd that the North Carolina government has not temporarily passed a law which allows restaurants to be able to serve a safe and sealed cocktail with a meal. It's ridiculous. Have you talked to Scott about that? I've talked to Scott. I've talked to politicians. What's 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 the problem? Why is that not happening? Uh, it, it's not as simple as the governor sort of making an executive uh, decision. And on top of that, they're worried. You know, all these politicians are worried this is going to like, you know, they're, they're worried about uh, you know the older voters, you know, how they're going to react to alcohol <sighs> in cars, alcohol for takeout. Good look, if you grief. think about it logically, old people right now are 100% worried about catching the coronavirus. My dad's living with us. He's 73. He's got health issues. That's the only thing that's on his mind right now is not catching the coronavirus. So I guarantee you older voters are not going to care if politicians allow restaurants to make a few bucks serving alcohol. Good um, grief. Certainly if it's temporarily. Yeah. Like, hey, for the next three months or whatever and then we'll extend it as needed like nobody's gonna i totally agree with that plus we have this kind of antiquated abc system and you'd have to go get every single local abc board or something probably to i don't know well what can we do how do we i mean but we've got to keep pushing for that the crazy part is virginia has this virginia has the same old school terrible state-run abc system but they 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 passed a law temporarily allowing it to support their restaurants a ton of restaurant owners that I know in Virginia are selling a ton of cocktails. They're staffing bartenders. They're making a few extra bucks. I mean, it's such a no-brainer. Um, and look, the state, there's so much going on. they got a lot of big, bigger issues than this. But, like, to me, it's a, the optics are bad when the state-run ABC stores are having record-breaking sales figures every month. And restaurants are... The restaurant industry is dying in their state. It's just the optics that are bad. You won't let them serve alcohol. Well, so they do have other issues, but keep in mind that restaurants, you know, just collectively, restaurants are the second largest employer in the country behind the federal and gov- federal government. So, you know, by default, it's probably the second largest employer in North Carolina, um, collectively, the restaurant industry. It's certainly one of the top ones. So, you know, you get that maybe they're thinking politically they're going well elderly people might have a problem with this but you know there's many many more um younger people that are out of jobs so if you're thinking about politically and i'm sure they've done the calculus and young people don't vote as much blah blah but god that's a really myopic view i think i think politicians get behind this and go here's what we're going to do and here's why you could sell that to any voter easily they are really behind the curve with that that's terrible they uh they just don't particularly care. I've talked to a bunch of politicians about it. They just don't particularly care. Um, well, they're going to care when, sucks, when people are. Uh, that's just that's just not. That's very myopic. People yeah. don't think of second and third order effects, man. That's where the that's where the issues are here. 
it's second and third order downstream impact of this kind of stuff. Um, who, uh, who is the, who would, is it the governor's office that would help promote that? Is it the, yeah, I mean, it, it, it starts with the governor's office and, um, and then the, the state general assembly. Um, hmm. and, uh, you know, I, I'm on the, I'm on the board of, uh, Pitt, uh, independent eateries association. We've sent a group letter, um, you know, I, I've, I've uh, talked to our attorney who handles all the ABC stuff for us. She's uh, lobbying for it. Um, you know, the North Carolina Restaurant Lodging Association is lobbying for it. But yes. there just doesn't seem to be much interest in, in um, you know, I think, in my this is opinion, it's not a fact, but, you know, they have made locally, or over the last year or so, they've made some some changes to the alcohol laws, meaning, you know, you can, like Scott helped push the brunch bill, which you can serve alcohol on Sunday before noon. Um, so they, they, they bent a little bit over the last year and I don't think they want to continue to bend more. So mm. unfortunately it sucks. And this is such an easy, I mean, once it's over, go back to whatever terrible liquor cocktail rules you want to have. But for now, let's save any and all restaurants if it's at all possible. And this is something that's just really easy. And the margins on alcohol are just so much better than they are on food. It's just, it's just a no brainer all around, but more tax revenue for the state. I mean, what, what, like a lot more, um, short term elections aren't going on right now. Anyway, nobody's going to care about, you know, by the fall once they've already, you know, that, I mean, if they do it for three months, but man, that's so frustrating. Yeah. It's crazy. And and, and look, if, if, there were no states doing it. It was a it's yeah. like, okay, but like when every other state is is allowing it, um, and North Carolina just doesn't care. It's just pretty frustrating. Amen. Um, all right, man. I'm gonna pick up the I'm gonna pick up the torch, run with it any way I can. I mean, couldn't yeah, hurt to have awesome. one more angry dude <laughs> making phone calls yeah. or trying to make you know I've got some connections. I don't know. We'll see. My, yeah. yeah, couldn't hurt. Got plenty of time. <laughs> That's for sure. Golly. Yeah. Yeah. All so, right, man. Well, cool. Well, cool. Brett. Well, yeah. Thanks for having me on. And, uh, you know, I appreciate, uh, the podcast you've been putting out. I've been listening to all of them and, you know, they're, they're all informative and it's just nice to be able to hear the situations that other people are in. Cause it kind of sucks for everyone, but you know, we're, we're one day closer to this thing being over. That's kind of how I look at it. So we always are. That's right. Every day for sure. Um, Hey man, well, you know where I'm at. If you need anything, anytime for sure. And appreciate it a lot. And, uh, that was all really good stuff, man. So that stuff was some of that relevant in North Carolina, most of that relevant, uh, to anybody. So, uh, good luck with the, uh, loan. But keep me like, maybe text me, you know, whenever you learn more about that with that bank and what's going to happen yeah, I mean, when you are making funds and stuff. I mean, basically, yeah, basically it's a C, CFO of a, of a small bank that 10 locations in Oklahoma. Yeah. And, you know, the, you know, so far he's been super responsive and, um, I submitted all my paperwork. It's been like night and day compared to any other bank here in Greenville. So good. You know, if it goes smoothly, I'll pass it on to you. Then you, you know, I would tell every restaurant owner at all costs to, to do it. Yeah, it's, it's nice to see the democratization of things like that, you know, like, oh, well, because of technology, then, you know, like you said, you don't have to have a 
uh, as much as you like the the you know your neighbor down the street and what Wells has done, man, in a situation like this, if you wind up with somebody that's out in Oklahoma, but they can take good care of you, you know, you don't have to have a, you don't have yeah, to have yeah. a, you know, handshake. I mean, we probably won't have any more handshakes anyway, but you know, like a handshake right. relationship. Um, well, that's good, man. Well, I appreciate it, Brad, a ton, and uh, we'll stay in touch, my friend. Cool. All right, man. Thanks a lot. I'll talk to you soon. All right. See you. All right. Bye.